unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And welcome to part two of our Retro Ramble on Paul Verhoeven's 1990 sci-fi action classic that is Total Recall. We hope you enjoyed part one. Would you say they did, George? Well, hopefully so. And um, and if you haven't listened to part one, you know, go Get back your ass out of here! I think what it was, we didn't realise, uh, well, I certainly didn't realise how much production chat there was going on. Uh, George and I, big fans of uh, Philip K. Dick. I knew that his books and the inspiration was going to come into it, but um, we love these sort of uh, time travel or existential things like The Matrix or whether it be something like Inception, films that really challenge the concept. And this this was one from a long time ago. Yeah, so... Um... Obviously, in this episode, we we try and unpick Total Recall's plot a little bit more. What does it all mean and how it would pave the way for a sequel? And there are some crazy ideas about the potential sequels that almost made it to screen. There's still a lot to unpack in this episode. Obviously, we won't give the usual retro ramble a disclaimer, but there will be spoilers about films you'll never see. There will be some, probably some more Arnie impressions. Who knows? Yeah, so to to set the scene, when we left you, we'd we'd covered the film in some detail. And George and I started talking about, so what is the plot of this film? And we talked about how even Paul Verhoeven admits this film is ambiguous and that there are two realities that could be interpreted from what's going on. And in this episode, George and I tried to not only understand what that could be, but how that actually transpired into a sequel, like where the story goes. So anyway, we th- we thank you for coming back for part two. We we spoke, for, we rambled on for an hour last time. It's a little bit shorter this time, but it's still worthwhile. We've got all the usual. We've got some suspicious spin-offs. We've got coulda, woulda, shoulda, and we've got you, our dear listeners, giving us some feedback. We're going to give you some shout-outs. We're going to love the love, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Enjoy part two. George, where, where are we? I mean, is there anything else you want to chat about on the film or should we hop on to our usual features? So I've got quite a bit to discuss on what was going to be Total Recall 2 in Suspicious Spin-Offs. So should we get cracking on that? Before we jump into the Suspicious Spin-Offs, are we sure about what the, the plot of this film is? Uh, I don't know about you because I was thinking about that this first time that we, we watched this as kids. Then we went and read all the Philip K. Dick stuff and like, wait a minute, it's it's all about what what's real and what's a dream. And it's, it's alluded to at the beginning, we talked about earlier, it's alluded to at the beginning and the end of this film. It starts off in what we're told is a dream and it ends with this question with him and Melina and breathing clean air in Mars, blue sky on Mars, could it be a dream? So what's your take on it? I, I, I honestly don't know. Like, I, there's, there's part of me that wants to believe it's 
believe because we've talked about we've talked about this a lot over yeah. the years yeah no there's this part of me that wants to believe it, it is real and the, the 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 whole like he was he was hauser all along and watch uh, watching these there's a good interview with paul verhoven on the the blu-ray and obviously listen to the some of the commentary as well as and he says that it is open to interpretation he 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 says there's there's no there's no right answer they're they're both um what was it he, he calls them they're, they're both realities you just choose which one's real so but he the one thing he does says up until quaid gets up to approaches recall and gets in the chair that's all real but it's up to you to decide what happens next is that all all part of the the ego trip is that all part of the recall implant or is it a, a a botch thing is it actually really happening and the other thing that they usually say is um when you fade to black that means an end but a total recall when he kisses melina at the end it fades to white which usually symbolizes waking up from a dream or in verhoven's mind could suggest he's being lobotomized so yeah i think because probably i watched it at a young age there that, that that's part of me that it, over I, the head <laughs> I, I, no no but i look at the the i i take the optimistic approach and say yes it's um it, it actually happened it's it's not a dream but because i've become older and cynical and read a lot more philip k dick there's part of me that's thinking saying no it's it probably is a dream i just 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 admit that to myself I, th- I think what's great though is how much of a homage this pays to Philip K. Dick's work. As we said, a lot of his stories follow a similar thing about reality, uh, existence, dream worlds, uh, paranoia, and throughout this film, it's not all the time, but just enough to keep it in the present head. And then there's the reveal at the end where ah, it's it was me all along. I want my body back. You know, yeah. uh, sorry, George's George's much George's practiced the Arnie much better than I have. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's that reveal. And you're like, so, but I think it's, it is, it is because I think we're talking on two levels on the face value level. He had the memories implanted. He was working for Cohagen. And then you, you make up your mind as to whether or not he succeeded in getting Quado killed or did he actually switch before? And this is Cohagen trying to get him back and just trying to lobotomize him and get his agent back. So there's, there's that. That's the face value. And I think which is the much more complex and convoluted one that you're, you're talking about is that from the second he sits in the chair, everything that we see in the film is the, is the dream implant. Even yeah. the bit where the doctor says, I haven't implanted the memories yet. Yes. That's actually, that's that's actually a- the dream. So that's a theory that it all starts from, especially with Verhoeven backing it up. Up, yeah. Or maybe he's just designed it to be that way, that it could be interpreted one of two completely different ways. Well, as I say, that, that, that's a bit that still confuses me a little bit, that whole, that, that little glimpse of when you see Hauser, of him saying, you blew my cover, you blew my cover, and he's like, oh, it's all part of the thing. He's like, well, we haven't implanted it yet. It's like, well, how does that work in, in Quaid's head? Like, how's that, where's that come from? And the other part is, if it is all in his head, is why are we see why do we see bits when he's unconscious yeah well, well yeah why do we see bits with just cohagen and richter and other characters that aren't quaid so but i suppose you could argue well stuff yeah, happens in dreams, so you you, you, yeah. you can't you can't explain but yes we are probably going 
a little bit cross-eyed and a little bit too deep but that's a question of like well how do you follow up on this film but apparently there were real real efforts to make a sequel a reality so so let's have some suspicious spin-offs first spin-off or sequel idea came from so uh gary goldman verhoven's sort of go-to writer in the early 90s after this he optioned he bought the rights to minority report and he had a he wanted to direct it himself as a low budget feature but he as he had a relationship with verhoven he took it to verhoven and said oh well would you be interested in executive producing it for me because obviously you know your name will help finance it and Verhoeven looked at the story and he was like, well, hang on, this could work as a Total Recall sequel. So Minority Report could work as a Total Recall sequel because in Verhoeven's mind, it was um, already established in the first Total Recall that the mutants have telepathic powers. Could yeah. the mutants not become the precogs in Minority Report that predict the crimes that happen? And Arnie's the, the John Anderton, he's heading up that company. Interesting. And that's what appealed to... And again, this is something that Verhoeven talks about on the DVD or the Blu-ray. He says he's not... He's never done a sequel to any of his films because he says, you know, what's the point of of doing something you've already done? Where's, where's the... Where's the what's an idea? artist? Such yeah. an artist. How can you be passionate about it if it's something you've already done? And that was the thing with the way Gary Goldman says it, it's like that's what appealed to Verhoeven it was the possibility of doing a sequel that seemed original it wasn't re repetitive or derivative it was something else so they developed the script Arnie was on board Verhoeven was going to direct it and then ironically same thing what happened with uh, DEG uh, Karolko went bankrupt in the late 90s so we talked about dear, this dear. We, we briefly touched on this on Universal Soldier that they were suff they were having some financial difficulties around Universal Soldier and they uh, we, you know, managed to string it out for a few more years and I think the the film that broke them was Cutthroat Island that was a massive flop for them and uh, so yeah they, they basically had to they basically went bankrupt so so, uh, Karolko went bankrupt in 1997 Dimension Films so Dimension are really known for doing uh, horror films they did the, obviously the Scream series and, and things like that so they are a division of Miramax so the Weinsteins so they, they picked it up uh, they uh, bought the theatrical prequel and remake rights to Total Recall but unbeknownst to them um, uh, Karolko had sold off the tv rights to somebody else so there was actually a tv show total recall 2070 that was released in the late 90s that only it ran for one season nobody saw it <laughs> but apparently that took more of a uh, apparently it owed i've never seen it I, I think i remember seeing like a trailer years ago but it owed more to blade runner than total recall because it was set on earth uh it was a guy that was teamed up with uh, an android and stuff like that and it was them it was sort of like a buddy cop thing but it had something to do with implanted memories but nothing was was set on mars it didn't have quaid in or anything like that so yeah i say di dimension uh had picked it up so they 
got brought back uh, Ron Schusser and uh, and Gary Goldman to to repen a new a brand new idea. So they dropped the the minority report angle and said, okay, um, what would you do? We we loved the first one. We want to keep the audience guessing whether it's a dream or reality or not. So I'm going to try and talk through this script, and this is all in uh, Tales from Development Hell. So apologies if I go on. I've tried to abbreviate it. So um, yeah, just just bear with me. So it opens um, pretty much like uh, after the ending of the original. So it's amid celebrations on Mars's independence, with uh, Quaid and Molina being honoured by the president for helping you know f- uh, liberate Mars. And just as Quaid is about to give a speech, uh, a double of, of Quaid turns up, stabs him, and takes his place. And then Quaid wakes up uh, to find himself next to Melina. It's only three weeks since uh, the events of Total Recall and the independence of Mars hasn't happened. So that's been, the the first part has been a dream. Uh, The rebels tell him of a a thing called Project Whisper, a form of mind control being planned by the government. And they suggest delving back into Hauser's mind to see if he knew anything about it. So they put uh, Quaid back in the Total Recall machine and he wakes up back at Recall with Laurie at his side, with Bob, uh, the Recall salesman, and Dr. Egmar all by his side. Oh my God. Um, but there's more um, because all the stuff on Mars has happened. So they, they've convinced him that, yes, he, nothing, he never went to Mars. But yeah, all the stuff uh, on Mars has happened. So Mars has air, Cohagen's dead. But Dr. Egmar's excuse is, oh, well, we've had the, you know, the, the TV's been on in the background, so it's obviously filtered into your subconscious. That's why you dreamt it. So Quaid goes home. Um, apparently, Laurie, uh, in this time, because he's been in a coma for six months, is seeing someone else. So Quaid gets another job, and he starts working on a space elevator. You know, those things like as in an Arthur C. Clarke novel. So he's working on this thing, and they, then he's framed for an explosion on the space elevator and put in a space prison for six months. He escapes. He gets back to the Rebels. And then they send him to Russia to find out about Project Whisper, where Quaid encounters Hauser's mother, um, who is behind <laughs> behind Project Whisper, um, which is, get this, a planet-wide program designed to keep the electorate voting a certain way. So that's not, you know, prescient at all. And <laughs> this, this is my favourite bit. After a gunfight with a dozen lorry clones and his own mother... Quaid destroys Project Whisper and leads to the independence of Mars. So it goes full circle, he liberates Mars. And he's about to make a speech when he sees Dr. Egmar sitting in the front seat, but then he disappears. Did his eyes to see him? Or is he back at Recall, dreaming of Martian independence? So that's how it ends. Oh my God, sounds great, make it, let's do it. So Dimension loved the script. <laughs> Arnie thought it was too complicated. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> um, so, uh, like, they went through like loads of uh, script rewrites, and then Arnie ended up going off to do the sixth day instead. So, this is around like 2000, I think it was. And Quiet. obviously, that that's a very similar thing. Arnie and a clone and stuff like that. 
and then obviously a few years later he would become the governor and was out of action for for 10 years and because Miramax went through a few finance like had a few flops I think it just was shelved so I think that's why it languished for quite a few years until obviously uh, I think it was 2012 they did the remake with Colin Farrell so, but why do that remake when you've got this amazing sequel it's, it's it's a brilliant brilliant idea and um yeah apparently the like it says in in this book that harvey weinstein had a professional working relationship with sharon stone so he was like adamant she had to be back in the franchise that's why i was like so what so so he's back on earth laurie's back and yeah, there's loads of clones of her as well. <laughs> so like, yeah. keep putting Sharon in there. But yeah, it's, I mean, it does sound a little bit ridiculous of like, oh, it's a dream. Oh, he's waking up. Oh, it's another thing. Um, a but dream yeah. within a dream and it's your mother. Kill your mother. Shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. Uh, sh- shoot. <laughs> but I also love the, the whole concept of it potentially, you know, it almost being a minority report adaptation as well. Well, yeah, I think that's much more... And I th- that sounds like... I can understand why Verhoeven would be interested. That's bringing something new, going back and doing it again. It's continuing the paranoia, the is it a dream? Yeah. And, but no, I, I still ask the question, why didn't they do that with Colin Farrell? They could have they could have easily just inserted him. They could have done the jump back to Recall, made the sets look exactly like the original film, and he'd wake up and say... But I'm Colin for I'm not. I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm, I'm not me. And it's like that's who you were in the dream. You look different. You were you were an Austrian bodybuilder. But unfortunately, you're stuck with looking like Colin Farrell. You know, it's you could you could explain it. You know, one way or another, that there's a change in the characters, and you could have made an amazing sequel. But they went down the remake, and it looks nice. I remember yeah. that film. The I've watched enough of it. Say it looks impressive in terms of the CGI and whatever. But no the problem with the the remake it's like it's not completely terrible but it's trying to be its own thing and trying to be different from the original but it ends up being really reminiscent of other philip k dick films so it reminded me loads of minority report and blade runner and even paycheck it's got those like glossy sort of cgi you know car scenes and stuff like that and with the robots and and it just doesn't it tries to be different but just doesn't bring anything new to the table i mean obviously it makes interesting things It, it combines the role of richter and laurie into one person so kate beckinsale's like his wife but she's also the badass hunting him but yeah it just doesn't really like it's very forgettable i also think it's not the best of Colin ironically Farrell. i should say we want Colin Farrell needs to be turned up like we you want more Colin Farrell from in bruges or you know like where he's turned he's he's actually i don't know bringing it i don't like the the version of him you get in total recall the remake where he's just like well he's, he's 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 kind of phoning it in isn't he and it's Again, it's a bit like my issue with Paycheck. It's it's doing that very much the... It's a bit like, oh, let's just do a futuristic version of, of Born Identity of... I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe the original Total Recall is so much lightning in a bottle of it's a ridiculous idea, but it because of Verhoeven, because of Arnie's casting, it just kind of works. It's kind of all those perfect elements. But when you try and recreate it and try and make it a different, it's just like, no, it doesn't really work as much. I, I just feel where remakes uh, nostalgia is given better service today than it was getting when they made these Point Break and Total Recall 
uh, remakes. I think we're in a better zone now. They've seen the success. It's like, if you're going to do it, do it properly. Get the, like Star Wars, like get the original actors back. We don't care how old they look or if they're dead. You know, in terms of uh, Rogue One, we'll bring it uh, back Peter anyway. Cushing. Bring it back. I don't care if he's dead. <laughs> Get the computers to do the face thing. Um, Throw money at it until he's alive. No, but I, I feel like nostalgia is getting a better service. Whereas I think Total Recall and I do include Point Break in this were made very lazily when Hollywood wasn't ready to admit well, that it's so- run out of ideas, but it had, and it was even being lackluster with recycling. Yeah, well, no, it's, ideas from the past. No, it's purely about um, you know, uh, you know, intellectual property. It's about like, well, we've got a, a name that people remember. Let's just make a brand film. recognition. Yeah, but shall we? Um, f- well, move on. Sorry, to- I've, I've, I've got a Deliveroo coming. Oh, okay. It's not actually Deliveroo. It's Jeff Goldblum and Celine Dion. And you know what they're asking? Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. So coulda, woulda, shoulda. So I've talked about, obviously, this film went through many, many different iterations with different directors. So there was quite a few big names attached before uh, Arnie came on board. So... Um, um, Well, apparently they they name drop in in the commentary that Jeff Bridges was attached in one of the earlier versions, which I can kind of see. No, he was quite young. As Quaid. Um, So this is all for Quaid. Um, David Cronenberg wanted William Hurt. Um, as as Quaid, because again, I say the script at the time, he was an unassuming accountant. But they they did quite a lot of work with Richard Dreyfus, um, which which is so bizarre. Apparently, you know, obviously he was quite big off, you know, around that time, sort of mid eighties of you know he'd done quite a few Spielberg films, and so he had quite an active input. But then when I think when Cronenberg walked, he he walked as well. But when Bruce Beresford his version. Um, in Australia, you know, when they were building the sets, it was going to be none other than Patrick Swayze. Oh my God! What a, what a different film! And I would, I'd take it. I'd take it definitely. Yeah. You are a prisoner of your mind. You are a prisoner of Total Recall. <laughs> recall. Nobody puts Laurie in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody puts my mind in the corner. What? Um, just those hips. He could have just... And, and he's got the Kung Fu moves to it. No, I'm sorry, George. That I do love Arnie, but there's enough Arnie films out there. I, I would Kinda actually would've, live... Would've. I would... I would... I would should have. I would have said should have because I could live in the universe with no, no, all I, the other I, Arnie films where Patrick Swayze was in Total Re- in this Total Recall and Arnie wasn't. I could live with that, actually. No, no, no. I, I, I want to go back to your Colin Farrell idea. I, I think they like they keep waking up and he's a different person. So it's Richard. <laughs> it's Richard Dreyfus. It's Arnie. Oh no, wait! It's Patrick Swayze. Mind fuck? Did you? It's <laughs> Christian Slater. <laughs> we didn't pay for you. I was just grabbing some lunch on the set. Um, I'm not really in this movie. But wait, there's more. So I've got alternative casting for the role of Richter. So apparently, I mean, this is... I've got the, these two from uh, IMDb trivia. So uh, as always, take with a pinch of salt. So apparently, uh, Kurtwood Smith, none other, Mr. Clarence Boddicker. Oh. 
apparently well it makes sense he turned it down because he felt it was too similar to Clarence Boddicker I'm being typecast well say goodbye to your career buddy so so I'm I'm employed by Ronnie Cox I'm a real shit okay yeah I can yeah I can see um, but none other the other person considered for Richter was uh, Robert Davi Mr. Franz Sanchez from License to Kill and one of Agents Johnson and Johnson from Die Hard. Amazing actor. Not seen him in enough things. He needs to be. But what he was in, what what stuff he was in, he was amazing. And obviously the Goonies as well. Um, So, yeah, that's that's coulda, woulda, shoulda. Um, Obviously, you know, for the role of of Quaid, it could have been very, very different. And obviously in the hands of David Cronenberg, it could have been very, very different. And, and um, in this book, Tales from Development, how you get, uh, Dave, apparently David Cronenberg hates the Verhoeven. He's just like, it's a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. He's like, yeah, well, on. he'd say that. But he'd I suppose if, you, if you've invested a lot of time in it and you have a vision, you're, you're not going to be. Well, choice. Well, you and I always, we have to pay respect that there there is a very large group of cinema goers out there who are more intellectual and prefer to be more intellectually stimulated during film than we are for example we respect these films but we tend to invest our time in more films like this so yeah i get it that Cronenberg would have done and a masterpiece probably would have got more awards and would have been more thought-provoking and less less would have been more cerebral wouldn't it yeah, less boobs and less rods through the head. Um, and, and to be honest, you know, we all need more more chicks with with three boobs. You know, you don't. Maybe I, I make him wish I had three hands. <laughs> but you have Benny. Does Benny have three hands? Anyway, um, isn't he driving the t- at one stage? He's driving the tank. Didn't we catch that? Or am I imagining that? No, no, he's, he's driving. We... Uh, he is driving the tank. Oh no, you're 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 not getting confused with Terminator Two when the T one thousand. I am getting I'm getting confused. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that and that's the scene that we would. This is how George and I would look at films. We'd look every single scene of an action film to see if we missed anything. So that was coulda woulda shoulda. Thank you, Jeff and Celine. Um, I really got my. I don't know what they've done with my Deliveroo driver. Um, <laughs> the, the map just says that the the bike is outside my address, and I don't know. Maybe he's on the pavement. Um, yeah, should we see what our listeners and our followers thought? Well, I can tell you, people were very excited. We were covering this film. Yes, yeah, very much so. I mean, it's it seems as like, you should be. It seems like a lot of people grew up with this film. You, you, do you want to start? I don't know. Am I seeing the first comment? I've got our good friends over there. We share a lot of their stuff. They share a lot of ours, obviously, uh, on the same mindset. That's Technoir uh, Film Club. Just say, hope you enjoyed the rewatch with an open mind do you, did you remember that that was used as a sample in a techno house track yes trans track yeah, yeah no open came... your mind oh i think everyone of that age must remember that track yeah no it's it came up in the imdb trivia i think it's asura or something like that uh, yeah asura open your mind and it's actually called uh, open your mind oh they don't actually the owl oh, is not in the title we'll uh, we'll drop it in at the end as a little teaser i'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll check that in in, in, in post um, and um the techno has also included the picture of arnie um doing, put, doing his covid because that's that's the the gift that george sent me when i told him i just done my COVID tests and it, it is it's remarkably similar the only difference being um no no head towel well, um, maybe when the next time you do a COVID test, you turn up with a wet towel around your head. To <laughs> it's actually not that bad. It's just a few seconds of yeah. just like, meh. 
So uh, next up, we have uh, regular follower uh, Antonio Garcia Armante. He's he's been looking forward to this, uh, so he's he's looking forward to our thoughts on it. Hopefully, we've done it justice, Antonio. Do you want to take the next one, Charlie, from our, our, our good old friend Marcus Bird? Yes. Yeah, so um, <laughs> he's got an insight. He's got some production chat. Marcus has arrived at Production Chat Island. Welcome, Marcus. <laughs> Hope you enjoy your time here. So um, Marcus is as uh, made us aware that apparently Verhoeven wanted to give the mutant hooker four breasts, not those lovely three. But yeah, I think yeah, it's just I give think- her four tits. Well, you know, as as Benny says, you know, he makes make Musa had three hands. I think <laughs> what we can all agree on from a very male and, sh- you know, chauvinistic point of view, th- there is never, as long as we've got enough hands, no amount of tits is too much. <laughs> enough hands, <laughs> enough hands. Uh, yeah, there's there's, a, there's also a few people on, on the chat just um, give it, come yes. on, <laughs> come on, Cohagen, give those people the air. I like the one, George, George, start, start the podcast. <laughs> That's from Andy Jones. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Casey Millwood, he he grew up with it and has lots of fond memories uh, of watching it as well. Dennis CK Pang, he's he's a big fan of this. He got in touch with us and he's um, he thinks Arnie makes the film what it what it is with his one liners, with his quips. It makes it a very different film. You know, it, it uses his physicality and his humor. He talk. He also talks about using the, that man as a human shield. Um, so yes, it's. Uh, it's it's obviously a highlight, um, but yeah, I I, th- I think that's the the main point. But I think who who else got in touch with us? Um, yes, yeah, someone's someone's just put a uh, Larry Chews just put a gif of the uh, the fat lady as Arnie describes in the um, in the commentary. And again, I think we'll we'll have to share a link. Um, the the commentary. Uh, on the DVD between Paul Verhoeven and Arnie is something else because Paul Verhoeven's trying to give you some insight into the film and Arnie is literally just describing what's on screen. He's like, now I'm dressed as a fat old lady and it's funny because she's fat. And, like, and Verhoeven's like, yeah, we, you know, we wanted to play on duality and, and he's like, yeah, I know, but it's funny because I'm dressed as a lady. Um, and, and then Sharon hits me in the balls. Yeah, that hurt. That really hurt. Um, ah, more Arnie noises. More Arnie. Yeah, I say great, great Arnie. Um, yeah, Andy McEwen says, fantastic film, great lines, cool to see the future so fucked up with corporate dicks controlling resources and who could forget Johnny Cab. Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, if we give everyone a shout out, yeah, we've got Paul uh, Wallace, uh, Lee Hallam. I'm just checking. We had one more in our in our messages. Um, James Diaz, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, we are. We will be releasing at some point in the next two weeks. Yeah, Sean Malloy's again. He's a he's a frequent follower of ours. Uh, thank you for following us, Sean. Um, he says it, it may not be his his favourite Schwarzenegger film, but it's certainly the most memorable. It stands out for being you know like most for vote. Verhoeven films because of its insane amount of violence and he says that you know he thinks that's the point with Verhoeven it's parodying American cinema but um yeah shout out for for Sean because he also has a podcast he got in touch with us when we were covering Universal Soldier because his podcast is all about Dolph Lundgren and his podcast is called I Must Break 
this podcast. So check like out Sean's podcast. If you enjoy it, let him know. There's a few other people, but we haven't got time. Thank you, everybody, for getting in touch, as always, sharing, liking, and commenting. I, uh, I'm i just trying to think, is there anything else we need to cover? I, I think we've, we will, we have, can, we've covered Arnie in the past. We've covered Philip K. Dick in the past, Ronnie Cox. There's a lot of old flames. Um, it's so good to go back and revisit them. I think we we do look back from today with you know rose tinted glasses. But when you look at the quality, the, the the fact that these, I'm sure there are films that have come out over the last decade that you will look back in 30 years and say, yeah, but these guys they're all in the same place, and that's what these films are. You know, for better or worse, uh, Arnie wasn't always in the best films, but he he made a lot of great action films, and we are trying to focus on his highlights. You know, the 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 things that really took cinema forward, even if it is pretty much on the action or sci-fi level rather than the intellectual you just don't get films like this anymore it was such a product of its time like an ultra-violent high concept sci-fi film with arnie one of the most expensive films at the time being an 18 certificate with paul hoven as the director that goes on to become the biggest hit of the year you don't get that anymore but you you made um, some comparisons. Yeah, the occasional sl- sleeper. Sorry, go on. No, no, but you you made some uh, comparisons recently, and you, probably the best comparison is is Inception of a cerebral, big budget sci-fi picture. But again, I say you're not you're not going to get. Obviously, you've got um, in terms of high gross and violent action films you've still got john wick is you know is 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 turning over business i i'm struggling to think of anything else obviously you know you we are in the age we keep talking about it of of marvel um at the box office at dc but you don't get those big budget you know ultra violent ultra violent gold gore fest i suppose drive drive is the only that was a kind of an independent yeah and i suppose in a way it doesn't that was ultra violent it, it doesn't need to be ultra violent but i'm just saying it's it's um Obviously, yeah, we we were big fans of intelligent sci-fi. We're big fans of action. And this, I think, this film marries them both up. It's such a unique product of, you know, high-concept sci-fi, <laughs> ridiculous, very silly action, Arnie one-liners, and, you know, Sharon, lovely Sharon Stone and a lovely lady with, with three boobies. What more can you ask for? Well, to bring it full circle, you know, we were talking about um, Philip K. Dick's short stories, and maybe the and Minority Report, uh, obviously... Um, his other big films aren't all short stories but there's a lot to be said about this this connection that i feel why you would combine like the concept of film is this short story it could be a bedtime story you could say you know there's not always a, a beginning and there is always a beginning and a middle and an end but how much you spend on them depends on whether or not you're making a comedy or you're peter jackson you know so i'm it's no all my films are three hours you know it's like no but um, they, they obviously they they've tried and again we're probably we're going on a bit but they did the the philip k dicks uh the the, the, the series of, i really enjoyed that what's it called something electric, electric dreams, dreams. Electric. I really enjoyed it. I, and I thought some of them, they were up there with Black Mirror. And in a way, more enjoyable because less, I don't know, bleak. I know, no, I, th- I think that's 
that was the problem with that series. I don't think it got enough exposure. It was on Amazon. Well, you know, in in the UK, we got it on Channel Four, and and it had some, you know, it had some really good talent in it, some good actors. It had Brian Cranston. It had who else? That chick from X X Men. Uh, oh, um, Anna Paquin. It had Tim Tim uh, Timothy Spall. Yeah. Um, so yeah, had, um, Steve Buscemi. I had some really good actors in it, and I think I had some really. Good, I haven't. I still haven't watched all all of them I think a few of them but again some are better than others but again that's the nature of the short stories it's you know it's a bit like a sketch show it's it's hit and miss so yeah I think you know, obviously, the I I think we're still going to continue to get you know Philip K. Dick adaptations because they're there are some. Man was a genius. Ideas. Yeah, the man was a genius. Crazy genius. Yeah, I mean, was he the one who um, thought that his uh, radio was? What was either, it? His, either his radio or his cat was telling him some, um, giving feeding him some communist. Uh, Propaganda or something like that. But if you want to know what state of oh, mind, no, no, no. Really... I think I think his cat told him that the universe was going to end or something like that. If you want to know the state of his mind, I think it's kind of darkly the opening scenes of that in terms of paranoia is brilliant. Yes, no, no. I mean, uh, I, I rewatched um, a scanner darkly recently, and it's a, again, it's such a unique film. So that's a film that can make you feel stoned without imbibing any cannabis. Um, yeah, <laughs> simply and, from watching it. And uh, again, it's one of those films that was sort of made, I think, sort of mid noughties and it's got a hell early noughties. Robert Downey Jr. It, Wyona, um, uh, Woody Harrelson. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it's, it's got a cracking cast. It's really, as Charlie says, it's really trippy because it's done uh, with rotoscoping. So it's filmed and then it's animated over the top. Rich it's like maker. so yeah it's, two, two layers of what is in into the spider verse it's the spy into the spider verse they do original cartoons then they do the rotoscoping then they do cgi on top so it just shows you where where it's gone and why i i, I think of i thought of a scanner darkly when i saw spider verse mm. but um I, th- I think we've we've rambled on uh for long enough uh, the name's in the show calm down uh, yeah, I'm sure we can. We can. So should uh, we? Should we? Should we move on to the film? Should we start talking about it? Oh no, we already did. We should go back and talk about the lorry clones. Actually, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just going to finish on my suspicious spinoff. It's called Keeping Up with Coado, and it's basically <laughs> a sitcom about Coado, and it's basically him getting his hair cut, him going to the shops, uh, him and George, who's who's his main body, fighting over what they have for dinner. Um, um, I, th- I think I, th- I think Disney Plus are going to pick it up for twelve episodes. I have this. Uh, in, it's not really a suspicious spinoff, but I have to share it with George because this is sort of juvenile humour that we have. I have this annoying talent, and I don't know if I inherited it from um, from our dad. That um, I can remember when I've seen an, a film, like an actor in another film, and as soon as I work it out, I'll say it out loud, regardless of where we are. So, like, if we're in the cinema or if we're, I think I've got that from dad. Sorry, I've so got like, my head <laughs> in my hands because I can I can already envisage our dad doing this. Yeah. Um, like we we went and watched Bro- <laughs> we went and watched Broken Arrow with Dad in the cinema and he's shouting at the screen we've been to Houston another helicopter blowing up this is ridiculous um, no so in this film for me it was the where have I seen the Quado guy 
before. He's and in it's the guy stuff. from Starship Troopers who goes, they get into your brains. They, you know, that's that whole yeah. scene. Of, so he's the he's the um, is admiral who's lost his shit. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't realize that until we went back to it this time. And it's it's he's got crazy eyes. Um, but I think yeah, there's more to be had. I'd love to see at home with the Quados or whatever you're going to call it. Keep, keeping up with Quado. <laughs> keeping up with Quados. Yeah, shut up and make it already. And I just imagine him like every like fishing, you know, like proper '90s sitcom, and it's sort of like you know, almost like oh oh, spaghettios. <laughs> like yeah. you read my mind. <laughs> Who's actually eating this dinner? Is it you or the host? <laughs> exactly. So many questions. So so many questions. So yeah, that was Total Recall. Um, apologies. <laughs> That's what this podcast is about. It's not about intellectual debate on a film. It's about George and I going back to the films of our youth, watching them again, and just trying to tie in all the nonsense we've thought about these films since we first saw them to watching them today. And thank you for putting up with it. I hope you found it enlightening, enjoyable, and maybe it's answered and raised a few important questions. So, George, what do we do? Can we tell the audience what we've got coming up next? Uh, I can't no, oh, Two weeks. Um, <laughs> we sorry. can tell you in two weeks. I'm, I can't remember. Did we say we're doing cliffhanger next or were we waiting on, sitting on that? I think no, no, we said we need to put a breakwater between the Arnie. No, no, we, we are... We're doing something... We're going to do Highlander to commemorate uh, the late, great Sir Sean Connery. We were going to do this back in August for Sean Connery's birthday. Um, but due to lockdown restrictions, um, we couldn't get together in person. But we're going to do it remotely and we're going to have a guest. Yeah, and I think we wanted to say something towards the end of the year. So we, we were going to do this uh, to celebrate his birthday. Uh, then obviously we've had what's happened and, and then he's passed. So it's to celebrate his life. And uh, we With are getting one of back. his greatest films, Highlander. Highlander. <laughs> so, well, we couldn't do the one he got the Oscar for because we already did it. And But we, yeah, we, so we've, we've done one better. We're bringing the guest back. The same guest, the same man who has a love of Sean Connery as much as Sean Connery as much as we do. So yeah, looking forward to taking a retro ramble on Highlander with Mr. Andrew Hughes or AKA Hughesy and many, many, he has many other names with us. So yes, yeah. I, I think I'm looking forward to that because there's some difference of opinions on Highlander. Is it a good film? Question mark. Or is it just uh, an amazing soundtrack with some good video to watch yeah. while you listen to the yeah, kick-ass de tracks? Definitely a case of rose-tinted spectacles uh, on that. We'll one. find out. Let's we'll find not out. let's not cast the die just yet, dear Bruder. Yes, um, in indeed. So um, yeah, thank you all for listening, downloading, and sharing on all of the channels. I think it goes without saying that, you know, this we we enjoy still doing this. We feel like we've got a handle on the remote retro ramble. That's a third <laughs> I thought, R. I thought you could say we've got a, like a handle on our reality. I think we've got a handle on what we think the plot of uh, Total Recall is. We're still not sure. No, but we feel like we're getting a bit more used to doing these things remotely. Uh, it doesn't quench the thirst for an in-person uh, retro ramble. 
but I, th- I think the, these are working better than any of our original forays into doing things remotely. So we hope you enjoy these episodes. Well, I'm, thank I'm you. wearing thank these you um, these biker gloves so I can touch you through the internet. I know. I've told you. Could you please stop doing that? <laughs> <laughs> That's not what they're for. Um, they've got an entirely I already, innocent I already, use. I already smell more suggestible. What? <laughs> are, you, are you pumping pheromones through my keyboard? Um, <laughs> Who's stealing your thoughts? Yes, uh, as always, you know, if if you enjoy this podcast, please share. Get your ass to Mars. Get your, Get ass, your ass to Mars. <laughs> please share with like-minded people. And if you have the time, leave us a review uh, on iTunes. That that always helps uh, our visibility. You know, retweet, share, share stuff on social. But uh, thank you for all, all the comments and support. And uh, we will see you next time. Or you'll hear us. See you, experience with you, whatever. Thank if you. I'm not me. Then who the hell am I? Well, just don't overthink it, Arnie. Don't overthink <laughs> it. So yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> We're gonna have to insert some more Arnie noises because I don't think we had enough. But no, um, that's it from me. Uh, I've been Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. Or has he? Oh, or was it all a dream? I, I'm Doug Quaid. <laughs> I want my body back. Okay. Thank you and bye bye. Bye bye. Well, this is me, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and this is me on a screen here writing towards the camera. It was a great scene because she's trying so hard for me not to see the news. You can see here with the eye, you know, no matter what I do, the kissing, the hugging with her, I'm more interested in what's going on on Mars. Here, this is my job. I'm a construction worker, and I'm totally amazed. I'm, 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 looking, at I'm, at I'm looking at the gun. Yes, sir, this is really this. Exactly. How did I do that? Here's the great fight scene with uh, Sharon and me. Ow, that hurt. <laughs> I continuously used him as a human shield. Then I threw him down the escalator. And now he, he just got the message that he should actually put a wet towel around his Which head. Which is also like crazy. Exactly, yeah. So that they, cannot, they, don't know. So they cannot detect of where I am. I run around like an Indian. That's the funniest scene. She's trying to steal the suitcase. Now they have problems following it. This scene is unbelievable because my frustration about this taxi cab does not understand where I want to go. Again, I got the way. Now he realizes that there's a hologram of him. And now he's telling him that, that he has to take this bug out of his nose, which is this gross scene. Remember, everyone was gross, was grossed out. Me putting this thing up man, in, my, uh, in my nose. There was uh, the bug that was inside my nose. And that's why they always could find me. Now here they are following, obviously, that I put the, the little device that was in my nose, I put it in the, in the chocolate, gave it to the rat, and the rat is now running around with that device. But they don't know, they think that I'm right there, they're, they're on my track. This is a wonderful scene uh, where I uh, come up to Mars as an old lady. <laughs> you think this is the end of the podcast? It is.